This is Orson Welles just saying hello before the show starts. There's a full moon tonight. February 11th is the anniversary of the day Thomas Alva Edison was born. He invented the incandescent lamp, only to discover years later that Spencer Tracy had beat him to it. <laughs> Welcome to your radio almanac, ladies and gentlemen. At the sign of the flying red horse. Tonight and every night at the same time, over these same stations, the makers of mobile gas and mobile oil bring you Orson Welles. Jack Mather speaking. Our guest tonight comes to us with the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producer of the great hit, Madam Curie. Ladies and gentlemen, Ann Southern! Hello, Ann. Hello, Ann. Hello, Orson. You know, I don't mind telling you I'm scared stiff. Well, scared stiff? Why? Well, aren't you going to saw me in half? Oh, no, the OPA <laughs> put a stop to that. They said I was wasting too many women. <laughs> I'm not just a magician, and I'm, I'm a romantic lover, oh. you know Of course, I don't believe it, but they, they do say that Compared to me, Sinatra is just a boy scout mm. <laughs> He may be a boy scout, but a lot of girl scouts belong to his troop Well, uh, don't get me wrong, Ann, I'm not envious As a matter of fact, in my next Mercury Theater production I've been thinking of doing Romeo and Juliet with Frank Sinatra as Romeo. Really? Yes. Can't you just hear him singing on the balcony as Juliet climbs up to him? <laughs> Orson, I don't want to criticize an old Shakespearean authority like you, but Juliet stands on the balcony and Romeo climbs up to her. I know, but Sinatra would never make it. <laughs> Now, look, Ann, we're doing a scene later, and you'll find out how romantic I am. Well, if we're going to do a scene together, I'd better give you a couple of pointers. Pointers? Yes. Now, let me show you. Now, put your arms around My me. My arms around you like this? Uh-huh. Now, say something romantic. Oh, my darling. <laughs> What's funny about that? <laughs> oh, my darling. I love you with an equatorial passion. You ought to see me in Jane Eyre. <laughs> I love you with an equatorial passion that no thermometer can register. Oh, my darling, pardon me, Anne. Hello? Oh, hello, dear. What? We're only acting. Of course I don't mean it. Honestly, she was only teaching me something. Oh, I know you can. But I, I, but, but... You know I do. I said you know. I said you know I do. I can't say it now. There are people listening. <laughs> I say... I say there are people listening. <laughs> oh, please don't be angry. I'll call you later. Goodbye. Who was that? My laundry man. <laughs> oh, yes. You've got to be awfully nice to them these days. Now let's go on. You were saying... Ah, yes. Darling, I didn't... I didn't... Oh, yes. You were saying... Thank you for giving it to me again. I'll try it once more. Darling, I've endeavored to conceal a passion who's in it. You should see me in Jane Eyre. I don't do this. <laughs> I have endeavored to conceal a passion whose inner fires are broiling the very soul within me. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh, it says in the script that you will. Uh, hello? 
Oh, it's okay. I'll tell him. Orson, your laundryman says he's going home to his mother. She's always kidding that way. I'll bet. Now, come on, Orson. Make like Sinatra. <laughs> Kiss me. All right, I will. Uh-uh. Orson, who is this character? This is Mr. P. Bristle, the censor. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Wells, but you can't kiss Anne Southern like that. Why? You know a better way? <laughs> He's not allowed to kiss anybody that close to a microphone. Why not? Well, the voice is too romantic. Mr. P. Bristle, what... P. P. Bristle. P. Bristle. Whatever gave you the idea that his voice is romantic? <laughs> well, now, just read this letter. Uh, dear sir, whenever Orson Welles speaks, I get goose pimples signed Bella. Bella? What's the address? 602 Beverly Drive. Just as I thought. Bella Lugosi. <laughs> well, I have additional proof. Uh, let me show you. Uh, would you three young ladies please step up on the stage? That's right, right this way. All right, Mr. Wells, say something romantic. You mean, uh, 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 like this? Darling, I love you. <laughs> Orson, pick them up. Are they kidding? You girls don't really think I'm romantic, do you? <laughs> I think uh, you. <laughs> Wait, he's another Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Look, girls, it's ridiculous anyway, anyone feeling this way about me. I. Uh, uh, just... You. You send us wealthy. He's a killer! Solid, Jack! You see, I wasn't lying. Now go on, say something romantic. Say something romantic, like, uh, like I adore you. Ah! <laughs> Wellsy Picasso! I can't understand it. That's because you're a man. Thanks. <laughs> Pick me up. Oh, girls, can I join the club too? Yeah. Just sing the theme song with us here. When we heard Frank Sinatra, we all gave out with yells. Gave out with yells. But we're through with Sinatra. Now we swoon for Orson Wells. For Orson Wells. Like boats without the oars. Without the oars. But now our life's worth living. When he says obediently, Shoo, 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 baby. Bye, 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 baby. Hoppers off to the seven seas. Don't, don't cry, baby. Don't, don't sigh, baby. Bye, 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 baby. When I get back, we'll live the life of bees. Seems kind of tough now to say goodbye this way. Papa's gonna get rough now So that he can be sweet to you another day Don't cry, pretty baby Don't you sigh, my little babe Shoo, 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 baby Papa's off to the seven seas 
outside, baby. Bye, 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 baby. Papa's off to the seven seas. That was Johnny Horace taking the vocal, everybody. Did you like him? Tell me, folks, did you know this? Gasoline for cars is made by blending light and heavy elements. The heavy are for mileage, the light for snappy starts and rapid getaway. Today, some of these lighter, quick-starting elements have gone into gasoline for tanks and planes and ships. And I know that's okay by you. Fortunately, mileage is what matters most these days. And 1944 Mobile Gas will give you all the mileage that you got from peacetime mobile gas. We're proud to say that. What's more, mobile gas can help you get better all-round wartime driving if you'll just follow these simple tips. First, warm up a shivering motor for 30 seconds. That does away with stalling. Second, don't tramp on your accelerator. Step down gently. This will save you gasoline. Third, keep your battery in good shape to turn your engine over quickly. And when you start up, start with mobile gas. It's packed with every wartime mile it's possible to give you. Folks, you'll get your coupons worth when you drive in at the sign of the Flying Red Horse and get trustworthy, mile-worthy mobile gas. We bring you now a story of a boy and a girl. The boy, Joe, is employed as a welder at Pacific Shipyards. The girl, Betty... Is played by Ann Sutherland. ...is employed as a welder at the same shipyard. As was to be expected, Joe and Betty met, and after a whirlwind courtship, they were married. We find them now on the threshold of the little bungalow Joe has rented. There it is, baby. Oh, it's beautiful, Joe. Well, ups a daisy. Here you go. Well, don't drop me. It's bad luck. Well, this is the living room. Mm -hmm. There's the dinette. Oh. And the kitchen. Uh-huh. And the bathroom, and, uh... Uh, there's another room in through there. Uh, I hope it's got a nice gas range. I just love to cook. <laughs> yeah. Well, here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice in here, isn't it? Who is this Arthur Lake? Uh, yes, it is nice. Still love me? Well, uh, do you still love me? You know I do. Well, here we are. Yes, we certainly are. <laughs> nice of them to give you the afternoon off so we could get married. Yes, if they hadn't, we couldn't have. Couldn't have what? Got married. That's true. <laughs> well, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> you can put me down now, dear. Oh, sure, sure. I wonder what time it is. Oh, it's early, about 8 o'clock. Will you excuse me, dear? Yes, certainly. I'll be back in a minute, as soon as I unpack my bag. Well, I'll unpack mine, too. <laughs> I think I'll wear this blue one. Oh, darling! Yes? Will you knock before you come in? In a minute. Andre! Blue, my favorite color. Joe, what kind of pajamas are those? Those aren't pajamas, they're overalls. <laughs> overalls? Yes, didn't I tell you? I'm on the night shift. See you in the morning, hon. But, Joe! 
Oh, yes. Joe forgot to mention he's on the night shift and Betty's on the day shift. They see each other 15 minutes a day. So let's take an average evening. Betty is just coming in the front door. Darling. Darling. Darling! Oh, darn that oval team. I haven't got the heart to wake him up. Of course, if I dropped my lunchbox, he'd wake up by himself. Oh, no, it'd be mean just to drop a lunchbox. And yet, if it was on the edge of this table and I was looking for something else and accidentally pushed it with my elbow... Okay, boys, launch her! <laughs> Darling! Darling, I didn't expect to find you up. Oh, turn the light on, will you, dear? I'm tired. Oh, but this is practically our honeymoon. Can't you be romantic even for a little while? Romantic, darling. I love you with an equatorial passion. that no thermometer can register. Now leave me alone. I'm sleepy. I never should have married you. People told me you were no good. What people? Hedda Hopper! <laughs> Let me sleep. Oh, you're a beast. That's what you are. You, you only think of your oh. own comfort. Oh, now, wait a minute. Here, I've been welling for eight hours, and I want a little home life. Oh, now, now baby, don't... don't cry. Darling, you mustn't cry. <laughs> Honey, please don't cry. <laughs> you know I love you. <laughs> oh, shut up! <laughs> Oh, now, wait, honey. I didn't mean it. I lost my temper. <laughs> then say it. Say it? Oh, say I don't want to say it, dear. It's silly. Now, say it. Say what you promised to say every time you lost your temper. I'm sorry I lost my temper, and if I ever lose it again, I hope Shorty drops a hot rivet in my back pocket and... <laughs> oh, this is silly. Go on, finish it. Oh, hot rivet in my back pocket, and if I ever say a harsh word to you again, I hope all my teeth fall out except one, and that one, I hope I have a toothache. There, I said it. <laughs> oh, Joe. Joe, kiss me. You bet I will. Hey, what time is it? Oh, Joe, it's only 8 o'clock. Kiss me. I've got five minutes to dress, and I have one minute for coffee. That leaves me 15 seconds. Here. How's that? Same old trouble. Too little and too late. Two weeks pass. It is morning. Joe is just returning from work. Honey! Up, 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 up! Mm-hmm. Honey, the sun is shining. The birds are singing. Tell them to shut up. Well, I must say, this is a nice greeting. Mm-hmm. People work hard all day, and when they come home, they deserve a little relaxation. I'm relaxing, dear. Relaxing? You're sleeping. No, I'm not. I'm wide awake. You've got your eyes closed. No, they're open, dear. I've just got the lids over them. <laughs> what kind of a home life is this? I thought marriage meant, meant love and companionship and... and... Uh, <laughs> I know just how you feel, dear, but now I'm sleepy. Well, go ahead and sleep. If that's your idea of a happily married life, go ahead, sleep. Ouch! You struck me, and while my back was turned. Well, it didn't hurt you that much. You're well insulated. Oh, it's 
now. Well, you started it. You were sleeping when I came in. Well, you're always sleeping when I come in. Yeah, but you overdo it. You look contented when you sleep. <laughs> well, I can't help the way I look when I sleep. I don't get up to look at myself to see how I look when I sleep. This is no way to live. You working in the day and me working at night, how we're ever going to bring up a family, assuming by some miracle we were to have one. <laughs> Kids never see you all day, and at night they'd be asleep. I don't want them to call me mama. Well, what about me? I've got a husband I see 15 minutes a day. Well, I know the milkman better. Oh, you do? <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Now, you listen to me. I put up with a lot. If I don't mind just talking. If you think you can walk in here anymore, then let me be a bottom of a sleep and then me like you. Case 24850, Mrs. W. Go ahead, please. Mr. Anthony. Uh, Mr. Anthony, I've been married for three months now. My husband is... Don't mention any names, please. My, hu <laughs> My husband works on the night shift and I work on the day shift, and the only time that... Young lady... You must find more time to spend with your husband. Well, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Then my advice to you is to go home. Go home to your husband. But my husband isn't home now. You see, he works... Just where is your husband, Mrs. W.? He's working. He works on the night shift. I see. How long has your husband been telling you he works on the night shift? Since the day we got married, we didn't even have a honeymoon. Oh. Then my advice to you is to go home. Go home to your husband. Speak to him. Oh, but that's impossible, Mr. Anthony. We only see each other a few minutes a day. You see, he works on the night shift, and then I... Then my advice to you is to go, go home. home. Go, go home, home to, to your, your husband. husband. <laughs> Hello, Mother. I was just going to call you. I've got the most wonderful news... I finally got them to change me to the night shift. Oh, there's Joe, Mother. I'll call you back. Honey. Joe, I've got the most wonderful news. Betty, I've only got a minute. Got to get right back to the yards. Darling, I've been changed to the day shift. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of Lionel Barrymore's admirers don't know that he's a composer of music. And he wrote us something special for this program. He really did, no? Not even supposed to be funny. And according to last week's promise, here it is. We think very highly of it. Carnival by Lionel Barrymore, Maestro Lud Gluskin.
Mr. Barrymore uh, really has a future, don't you? <laughs> I'm sure Lionel Barrymore listening in. Uh, hello? Oh, I'm glad you liked it, Lionel. Oh, you couldn't have liked it that much. Oh, the trumpet. The, th oh, the third trumpet player. I'll tell him. Goodbye. Lud, Lionel says your third trumpet player was only using one lip. Friends, we're driving to a different tune today We don't go far, we can't go fast And lots of the time our cars are idle Consequently, it's much harder for the battery to hold its strength In fact, a brand new battery loses half its charge In just one month of idleness Now, don't let your battery run down you know the well-known moan of the motorist? Darn car is stuck. My battery's dead. Well, that won't happen if you'll pay a visit to a certain fellow first. Your friendly mobile gas dealer. Let him double-check your battery and cables. Ask him to recharge that battery. Yep, your mobile gas dealer is your man. Have him check connections and the terminals to make certain they're not frayed or rusted. Top-notch battery service. That's what you'll get. To save yourself cuss words... And start your car at all times pronto. Drive in soon, tomorrow, at the sign of the Flying Red Horse. Clothes, furniture, books, the household goods were packed in boxes and trunks. Family had taken rooms in the Chenry house. The old cottage home was gone. Lease, the horse, buggy, and cow were sold off. At the hotel, he'd roped his trunks himself and had written, A. Lincoln the White House, Washington, D.C. On cards he fastened on the trunks. He was going to the biggest home in the country, the hardest house in the country to live in. The Atlantic seaboard was the front yard, the Rocky Mountains and the Pacific Slope, the colossal backyard. His body, the feet and mouth of him, would be in the White House eating three meals a day and taking a bath every so often. But the heart and mind of him would have to be far away, roaming the immense front yard and backyard, where there were boys fighting, girls scratching each other's faces, children sticking their tongues out, calling nasty names at each other. He was to be the father. The Red Indians would actually call him the Great Father. Negroes would call him Massa. 
and punctilious white men would use the address, Your Excellency. He would be the supreme counselor of the American people. Good God, what a job. Abraham Lincoln was born on February 12th, the day before his 52nd birthday. He left his home in Illinois for Washington. A cold drizzle of rain was falling. Lincoln and his party were to leave Springfield on the 8 o'clock at the Great Western Railway Station. Chilly gray mist hung on the circle of the prairie horizon. One by one came hundreds of old friends shaking hands, wishing him luck and good speed. All faces solemn. On the platform of the car, he turned and saw his home people. Then he said slowly, amid the soft gray drizzle from the sky. Friends, no one who's never been placed in a like position can understand my feelings at this hour, nor the oppressive sadness I feel at this parting. For more than a quarter of a century, I've lived among you, and during all that time, I've received nothing but kindness at your hands. Here I've lived from my youth till now I'm an old man. Here the most sacred trusts of earth were assumed. Here all my children were born. Here one of them lies buried. To you, dear friends, I owe all that I have, all that I am. All the strange checkered past seems to crowd now upon my mind. Today I leave you, I go to assume a task more difficult than that which devolved upon General Washington. Unless the great God who assisted him shall be with me and aid me, I must fail. But if the same omniscient mind and the same almighty arm that directed and protected him shall guide and support me, I shall not fail, I shall succeed. Let us all pray that God of our fathers may not forsake us now. With these few words I must leave you. For how long, I know not. Friends, one and all, I must now bid you an affectionate farewell. Bells rang, there was a grinding of wheels, and the train moved and carried Lincoln away from Springfield. The tears were not yet dry on some faces, and the train had faded into the gray to the east. Some of the crowd said afterwards that Lincoln, too, was in tears. The tears ran down his face as he spoke that morning. And one of the crowd said there were no tears on Lincoln's face. He had a face with dry tears, said this one. He was a man who often had dry tears. of Mobile Gas and Mobile Oil invite you to join us next week, same time, same station. Dr. Well's special guest is Robert Benchley. Right, Dr. Well? Right, Mr. Mather. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, all of us in the Mercury Theater remain, as always, obediently yours. <laughs>
Dr. Wells read from Carl Sandburg's Prairie Years, published by Harcourt Brace. Jack Mather speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. (laughs) 